In this edition of the Silverfish Podcast, Carl and Dr. Janes discuss... In the year 2525, will Prince still be alive? Well... You know that matter in the year 2050. Uh, well, I was going to say, nobody in their right mind predicts 500 years out uh, for anything. I, I once heard somebody say, if you want to be really sure that something lasts 500 years, engrave it into steel. Etch it into steel, because that will survive. Um, it isn't particularly portable or convenient, but it will survive. And we do have artifacts from thousands and thousands of years ago. We have clay tablets, we have papyri, we have early codices and manuscripts, and, and so... And there seems to be a reason we keep that stuff around. So, I mean, the incredibly conservative answer is yes. The more relevant answer is to what... The more relevant question is to what extent. You know, what's the relative proportion of analog to digital? And you don't have to look very hard at any medium of expression to see that it's that digital is winning. Uh, who buys CDs anymore? The, the CD, the physical CD market is largely over even though there's a but there's the the small and sort of in its own way flourishing vinyl market for recorded sound and music and people say they like vinyl better and i mean it's a it's just this side of a fringe thing but it it exists there is still broadcast radio which is a kind of analog thing in its own way the dvd the physical dvd and now blu-ray market is still there. Obviously, VHS is over, but the the ability to do streaming video on things like Netflix and other kinds of boxes and so on from Apple and other people, I mean that 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 tells you something that there is a preference for on demand, for convenient, for portable. You know, you watch the commercials for things like um, satellite TV and on demand services that you can stop and start and time shift and move from one place to another and watch it on your computer in the airport over over the cloud on Microsoft and all this business. So there's a clear societal preference for portability and convenience and transportability and so on. Ultimately, will the print, let's say, book market, um, take newspapers and magazines and scholarly journals off the table because they have their own issues, the, the print book market, is that going to be north or south of the vinyl market in 50 years? 50 years ago, there was no CD, so all anybody ever talked about was, was vinyl and eight tracks, for crying out loud. And the new exciting thing was cassette tapes. And now it's over. It's really hard to know. I, it, it seems as though the ebook is in ascendance. And... and there's confusion in that marketplace between different devices and different standards and different this and different that, as there was in the VHS market 30 years ago, and as there, there, there ever really was in the CD market because that standard came out pretty quick. Um, you know, we lost uh, a DVD format or two along the way. Do you think it might be like a harpsichord? Uh, you know, that's the what is the position of it? What keeps print books viable because it's clear that the countervailing force of digital stuff is just pretty you know is pretty profound what keeps the print book viable well number one there's a ton of them and they're everywhere people own them in their homes they're in there's a substantial infrastructure in in buying and selling those although that market got a lot weirder with borders going bankrupt a few weeks ago Libraries have substantial numbers of these. They're, they're in the mainstream of 
of our society. And there are parts of the world where digital books are not going to be an option for the long term, for at least for a long time. So there are going to be parts of the world where the print book is going to be dominant for longer than they probably will be here. Um, so the fact that there's just a huge installed base, as the technology people would say, has got to be a piece of it. People are used to it. Uh, the older you are, the more used you are to it, and the more attached you are to it. And, and I think people tend to over-characterize the, the emotional attachment and, and almost, uh, like there's something wrong with being emotionally attached to a book, uh, the, the physical form of the book. There are going to be people who are physically, who are attracted to the physical form of the book. There will always be the antiquarians and the artifact people, but again, that's not reading. That's, that, that might just as well be doing, you know, porcelain or art or something. It's just, they happen to be books that they're interested in. There will be people for a very long time, probably at least a couple, three generations, I would think, who are attached enough to the book that it keeps the market going a little bit. But there are a lot of people who don't have that, and, and the, you know, you can't ignore the fact that people are, are attracted to the physical form of the book, but you can't ignore the, ignore the fact either that a lot of people aren't and couldn't care less and are much more interested in getting the stuff than they are with the format. That's going to be a whole lot more the case with newspapers and magazines and scholarly journals because nobody really, way fewer people have an attachment to the physical form of the newspaper or the magazine or the journal. You know, they don't smell them. They don't talk about going to bed with them. They don't talk about taking them to the bathtub with them, which you shouldn't do with a book anyway, but whatever. So the, then it becomes down to technological capability. Are there things that a print book can do that a digital book won't or can't? And there are features that you can't get in one that you can get in the other. Uh, there are features in print that you can't get, and we haven't quite figured out ways to, to you know, think about things like knowing how far in you are by feel. Um, by marginalia, by you know some of these things that are that are pure the page numbers that are um, and citations and so on that are that are purely a function of the physical form, the the look and feel of it, page layout. Many of those you could imagine technological enhancements to digital m media that would solve those. You could write in the margins of an ebook. Actually, it'd be a lot easier because you wouldn't necessarily be doing the underlying medium. You'd be, it could be a layer on top of it. You could have multiple people annotate it. You know, you can scroll bars or a kind of crude way of how far along are you in the book, and page numbers can be substituted by paragraph numbers or something holy about page numbers. So you could, I mean, there's lots of ways you could think about any objection that somebody would have or any kind of, oh, this is what the print book will do, um, that would that would, you know, have the, help the, book, the print book to, to sustain over digital competition. It's, it's, you know, apart from its artifactual value, there isn't a whole lot about the print book that, that can't somehow have a, a digital equivalent or, or substitute or something even better because you've got search facility and print size and, you know, whatever. And there's all kinds of issues with the book market, the ebook market now about, rights management and the whole HarperCollins thing over the last few days about 26 loans of a library book and that's got people all pissed off like that wasn't going to happen someday anyway um i'm sorry i've been in a, a fever coma for the last six days what was oh, that again? okay <laughs> oh harper collins has said for library books they're going to limit them to 26 loans that if you license an ebook through harper collins you only get 26 loans and then it evaporates or locks up or gets sucked back or whatever 
And, you know, people are really mad about that. Public librarians in particular are really mad about that because it's a, you know, it's just a very different kind of model from we buy a book and own it forever. Well, yeah, it is a very different kind of model. And HarperCollins is trying to make money. And, and authors want to get royalties. And, and, you know, they've got to satisfy all of those markets. And we're a big part of it. But HarperCollins is saying, you know, the ebook reading ecology is just evolving. And, and we have to figure out what that is in a way that, that, that continues to foster our bottom line. And their primary interest is not libraries. Right. Absolutely true. So, you know, there's all these things about the ebook marketplace now about there's too many, de there's lots of devices and what is, what's going to be the role of the dedicated ebook reader as opposed to a tablet or an iPad, different standards, different kinds of rights management stuff, different kinds of technologies. There's just a lot of flux in that market, which ultimately either settles down or it doesn't, you know, it either settles down into two or three main players and then we all kind of live with that or, you know, it's just continually chaos like the smartphone market is. We've got new smartphones every six weeks, and they do different things, and I mean that doesn't seem to be settling anytime soon. Okay, but but it's hard to imagine that the ebook market just sort of evaporates anytime soon. So, and and it's also hard to imagine technological things that the that the print book will have over the ebook without uh, you know without any kind of a potential equivalent in the digital market. The so only... then, it, so we're back to romanticism. Yeah, the the one thing that uh, concerns me, especially as a hopefully future librarian and archivist, mm -hmm. is that if the the power goes, so do the books. Mm. If they're electronic, endurance, I, I think, is the real the, the real defining point or dividing point between the two is endurance. There's the simple of endurance of you know you've got to have a power source and so on, but then there's also the very long term social endurance of of story text content, material, call it what you will. And we just don't know. We have lots of good examples of digital media that don't survive or have not survived well or, or you know, five and a half inch discs and magnetic tapes and all kinds of things that we, we can't read anymore. You know, as long as you keep it live, that's fine, but that means you've got to continually catch up. I got a lot of VHS tapes I'm never going to watch because there's no way for, I still have a VCR, but I'm never going to use it again. So I've given up on it. This is one of the things that the society will decide, is how much is worth saving and how do we do it. And, and print is a good way to save stuff. on good archivally sound paper with, you know, solidly bound and all the well-maintained and all the rest of it. So there will be print books for a long time, and they will be kept for a long time, and they will be stored and saved for a long time. And there will be things printed in digital media that don't ever reach printed form, and they will be lost. And some will be saved, and some will be repurposed, and some will be, and some will, other things will happen to some of them. And the stuff that's lost will be lost because nobody cared enough to save it. And the stuff that's saved will be saved because somebody cared enough to save it. And we will construct a society and culture around that idea, as we have constructed a society and culture around ideas that are, that sustain in things like books and scholarly journals and magazines and archives and clay tablets and, and photographs and recorded sound media and all the rest of it. So if, if we as a society think it's okay to have disposable information that nobody really cares about and it comes and goes and is continually ephemeral and we build a, you know, we build a, a society and culture of investigation and exploration around that, that's the society and culture we'll have. 
And if we have one that looks more like the current one, where a lot of stuff gets... Th we, we have ways of figuring out what's important and we save it, then it'll look more like that. But the stuff that got published 50 years ago, a lot of stuff never got published. A lot of great ideas, great stories, great dimensions, great discoveries never got published. Great music never got recorded. Great art never got seen. Great plays never got produced. And that was an imperfect process, too. So there were a lot fewer voices, but the ones that we heard, we, we still hear. So we're hearing a lot more voices now, but we may not hear them for nearly as long, and a lot of them may come and go. Which is really kind of how our brains work, it's, for me. It, it is what it is, you know, and it, as a society, we get to pick. This Silverfish podcast was recorded under a Creative Commons license on March 2nd, 2011, and was not intended to annoy anyone, living, dead, or otherwise, who currently maintains access to attack lawyers. All music on this podcast is provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com.